Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 142 with our guest, Anna Goldstein. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. So good to have you here. You're watching and listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Why are we here? How can we be happy? Those are two questions our guest today believes that we all have the answers to right within us, but somewhere we stop trusting ourselves. Meet Anna Goldstein, a self-proclaimed athlete, coach, entrepreneur, teacher, and student. As she puts it, I am limitless, and so are you. I personally wouldn't have believed that a few short years ago, but today I am in full agreement. I am thankfully living and experiencing that belief of full limitless human potential. Now, Anna is an NYU certified life coach who earned her BA in psychology at Penn State University. She was a nationally ranked tennis player, and in 2003, she began her career coaching tennis in New York City to beginners, celebrities, and intermediate and advanced players. Anna believes the answers are within you, and when you're asked the right questions, you will discover the answers that align your actions with your goals. Having clarity of your vision is the driving force behind motivation and action to achieve results. Again, I'm in full agreement. So excited to be joined by our guest. Please help me welcome Anna Goldstein. How are you, Anna? Good. Thanks for that awesome intro, Josh. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Good. Thank you. I want to I, I want to get right to your your involvement as a a tennis a tennis star, a tennis coach, a tennis player, all of that from a very young age, right? Yeah. First of all, and then I'll ask the bigger question, what age did you first take the racket? Yeah. So I started playing tennis when I was nine. One of my good friends said, Hey, Anna, why don't you come to tennis camp with me? And so, you know, I went over there and I went to the tennis camp and I hit a ball and the coach said, Whoa, do that again. And I did it again. And he called my mom and said, you have a tennis player in your hands. And he told us what to do from there. And so he said, you got to sign up for this tournament. So I played my first tournament when I was nine years old, which was a round robin. And if you know what a round robin is, basically you play everyone, which isn't a typical tournament. Um, Well, I lost every match. And then the um, umpire went up to my mom and said, you know, your daughter has a lot of potential but she needs to work on her mental game. We're like, what's a mental game? Um, So it was basically that I needed to have more experience playing tournaments so that I could learn how to master um, the difference between just practicing and playing and actual, actual, you know, the pressures of performing on the tennis court. So that plays a big part in my story in terms of coaching because, um, the mental component, we can, we can have so much um, experience doing things, but if we don't have the right psychology, 
it's probably not going to go so well. So as a nine-year-old, um, and really isn't that always the way it starts? A friend says, hey, join me here. You do. You then implement something and somebody watching says, hey, you, you got something, kid. For the record, never happened to me, no matter how hard I tried. <laughs> Nobody saw anything. Nobody was like, you kid are on to something. And I was looking for them. But so be it, right? Here we are today. Uh, but in your case, when you were nine, um, did you immediately accept that? Did you enjoy the game? Was it something you yourself did want to pursue? Yeah, you know, there was a little bit of struggle in it for me, to be honest with you, because I heard this this a lot of the time was that I had potential, but I had I had difficulties kind of getting into that mental state of, like I mentioned before, of being able to access it. Um, and it wasn't until much later in, in life, as you mentioned, I, my first job was teaching tennis at um, the Midtown Tennis Club in New York City. Did I start to really, um, when I was teaching adults, I could literally see, so when you play tennis and you swing, a lot of the people, a lot of people I could see this had the stroke, right? But they would have some thought like, oh no, what if I hit the ball out? Fear. Mm. And they would stop. And the follow through actually helps you keep the ball in. So I started to realize um, more of how this was playing out um, in in adulthood um, through teaching, going back and teaching. I forget the original question now that you asked me, Josh. <laughs> That's okay. You're on to something. The original question was, um, at as a nine-year-old kid, when you were beginning to pursue it, was that were you excited to? Was that something okay. you wanted to do or were you pushed into it? I, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I mean, I think that... Um, I still have a love for for tennis, but um, there I do think that it's a different. The reason why I was talking about this too is a different type. But like I have that same kind of discipline in business now, right? I, I attribute a lot of the things it, that I'm in as an entrepreneur come from playing tennis. Let's right? connect them, yeah. So, um, but as an entrepreneur, like the love that I have is probably more than I ever had for tennis. So I'm willing to overcome even more obstacles as an entrepreneur than I was as a young tennis player. I had a lot of like, you know, when I lost, I took it pretty hard. Now as an adult, I have perspective over that in terms of how much that helped me. You know, learn how to lose is very important, right? But when you're young, you know, you kind of have to develop that resilience. You're really developing that resilience, which is very helpful in adult life. Um, but I don't know if I had the same amount of passion that I do for, let's say, helping others that I did mm. with tennis. Otherwise, I would probably still be teaching tennis. You've mentioned the mental game a couple of times. What really does that come down to? And then connect that from how it applied uh, during the tennis career and then in business, how we yeah. make it work. Well, I'd say one main component is focus, right? So you can focus on what's wrong, with your forehand, you could focus on what's wrong with life, right? Or you could focus on, you know, I've hit a million forehands and my forehand's great. And you can focus on all the things that you're doing well in life. So um, that was something that I actually had to learn and train in, right? Like I saw a sports psychologist when I was 18 years old and she taught me a lot of um, good mental game, so to speak, strategies. And, and one of them was focus where you're literally affirming the good qualities about your strokes. And you can do that in life as well. Another really important component, I think, is um, mental rehearsal. Mm. So, you know, if, you're, if you don't have a new image, your mind is going to default to the old way of doing things, right? So if I have all these mental images of seeing myself sometimes win and sometimes lose, right? then that's probably, it's a kind of a mixed bag, which my confidence would probably be like, eh, not so great, right? But if I mentally rehearse myself winning over and over and over again, and I constantly see myself, your, your mind doesn't know the, diff the, sub the subconscious mind, doesn't know the difference between what's true and false. It just accepts the words and images that you put in it. So I had the experience of really mentally rehearsing for this one tournament. Um, it was actually the Maryland State championship tournament when I was a senior in high school. And I mentally rehearsed that tournament over and over and over again so much that when I arrived at the tournament, I won that tournament in a breeze because it was as if my body just knew what to do. Um, and I used that same 
tool in my business and in my life later on. Um, so I think that, you know, focus in putting your attention on what is it that you want to create, because by default, your mind is going to tell you, you know, watch out, you got to be safe. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's going to, it's going to be fearful if you have, if something is new to it, it's natural, natural for, um, you know, your mind to, to be afraid. But if you focus on the good qualities, how you want to feel and um, practice that enough, you'll see your life move in an entirely different direction. We hear that. I, I've heard so many stories, especially in the athletic world, uh, whether it's boxing or football or wrestling, or in your case, tennis, same thing in athletics where so many stars say, um, I, I, I go into that match or that game seeing myself as the winner and visualizing the end result. And, you know, the good entrepreneurs and successful business people today also know that technique works. If logically we could accept that, why then, when it comes to doing it ourselves, why? Because it's a seemingly simple thing, right? It's, hey, take five, 10 minutes every day, sit quietly and just visualize that positive outcome you want. Why do we resist even that? Yeah, well, I think it actually takes more energy because it's like, like I said before, it's not something that you've experienced before. So you literally need to create it. So it takes a little bit more energy and we're kind of lazy. <laughs> Laziness is a big obstacle that we need to overcome, you know, and because we're just, we get comfortable doing what we're doing, even if it's not working for us, it's something that we know, it's something that's familiar. And so, you know, it takes a little bit of effort and, you know, but that little bit of effort, goes a very long way. Um, you know, it, it's easy for us, you know, we do this all the time with fear because fear is essentially imagining something going wrong, right? It's like, what if this whole catastrophe happens, right? Or some, uh, you know, I sometimes have clients that will say, you know, what if I can't handle it? Like my business gets too big. And I'm like, worry <laughs> about that when it gets there. A good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, we can, we use our imagination all the time. So we just have to learn how to direct it towards creating what we want. And I practice this all the time. I mean, you know, you have small children, Josh, so you see them using their imagination. They don't sometimes know the difference between what's real and what's not, you know? Mm. Um, and we're the same way. We just don't think that we are, you know, like when we have, when we're imagining a fearful situation, we often think that that's really happening and we're experiencing anxiety, but there's actually nothing to be anxious about, <laughs> you know? Right, because to get to our place of belief that we are in fact limitless, we have to we have to believe it, right? And we have to find a way to believe it. We we take this path of least resistance, like you said, because you know, I said, why do we resist even just that? If we know logically it'll work, why just why then don't we just do it? Um it's for me, it was it was a game of knowing that I already, from a very young age, um, told myself stories about myself and the world I live in, for better or worse, typically for worse, and sold myself them as truth, wore that label, and then went out into the world, yes, yeah, saying, oh, I want to find the antithesis of that. But in reality, isn't what we do is we go out and we look for validation for the things we believe. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we don't need to believe it a hundred percent, you know, but if we even believe it a little bit, you know, like it's possible, you know, that's one step closer in the right direction, right? Like, isn't it more beneficial to believe that it's possible to create what we want than it's not possible? Like it just, it feels better. It's a better feeling thought, right? So you might as well just explore like, well, what is possible? I don't actually know, right? Because there's been times where, ha hasn't there been times, Josh, where you achieve something and you're like, I can't believe I did that. Of course, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to have all the belief. And I think sometimes we wait to have the belief 
but we have to at least have some sense in maybe this is possible for me. Yeah. And and like, you don't have to have all of, all of the answers, all of the know-how, all of, all of anything. Sometimes I'll reach out to somebody or I'll take action on something, not, not only not knowing how I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, but not even knowing where it's going to lead or really the reason why. But I'm like, well, if I put enough good things out there, something will come back and then I can mold that into what I'm going for in that moment, what I want, what my bigger picture is, what my goals are, desires and wants are in that space. Yeah. Like you don't have to know everything, right? You just have to have a little bit of courage, right? And and so, you know, the belief might not be there, but maybe maybe you think it's a little bit possible for you or even just trying on like maybe it is possible that I could do my own thing. Maybe it's possible. You hmm. know? Yeah. Vers- versus no. You know, I think we can quickly shut down ideas that aren't familiar to us. Hmm. I want to um connect these dots from your current life, your, 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 your tennis playing life, but help us go back to the very beginning so we can follow through all that on the path. Paint the picture for us. What was life like growing up for Anna? Uh, life was good. (laughs) You know, I mean, um, you know, I, I think I was very curious. I remember being very curious little girl. Um, I still thrive on that curiosity. Um, so, you know, I think that that's one of my biggest strengths and that's where I lead from in my life. I also host a podcast. I ask questions, that curiosity as a coach, I ask questions. It's very important to also ask questions to yourself. So I always had that. I remember my grandma once not wanting to be around me because I would ask her so many questions. (laughs) She didn't want to answer them all. So, um, I was always a curious child and I wanted to know more. I wanted to know about, you know, more about life. I wanted, I remember at a very young age also wanting to make an impact. Um, I'm not sure where that comes from or why, um, but I was a great athlete and um, loved to play. But I think that the curiosity is something that, and, and love for people, I've always loved different types of people and just been curious about it. When you started this nine, uh, when you were nine and entered into this uh, tennis player mode, did you see that as a, as a way to make an impact? What did you get from that at that age? Yeah, I mean, I think that at that age, it was just something that I was good at, you know, and, um, you know, you, you shared that you had an experience where it was, that was different for you right? Like there wasn't like something that really stood out that it was like, oh, this is what Josh is good at. And I think that a lot of people have that, right? Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, just because I had this talent, um, I think that often we assume that because we have a talent that things should be easier, right? And it's not like you, you have to really work hard at you know, even if you already have a natural talent, you have to work really hard at it. And sometimes because you are already good at something, there's a lot of pressure to perform, not only pressure to perform, but also to continue with it, right? Um, or to do that. So, we, you know, at, at one point I decided that I didn't want to play tennis anymore. And it was a very big decision because um, I had, had invested so much time, so much energy, so much money um, or my parents invested a lot of money into it. So there was a sense of like, oh no, like I should keep doing this, but it wasn't really where I was most lit up. And I think that sometimes when we have a talent that we think that that's what we need to to do, but it can still look a little bit different. Um, so I'm kind of going on a tangent. Yeah, no, no, no I'm liking that. <laughs> Josh, but... Uh- you know, I think that we can feel like just because we're good at something that was something that we need to do, whereas we actually might be interested or fascinated with something else. And that talent can support us in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so um, relatable. Tell me about um, a uh, sledding accident you had. Oh, <laughs> 
Yeah. So when I was um, four years old, I was with my dad and we were, we were going sledding and um, a, a sled came down the hill. It hit my dad and he fell and fell on top of me and I hit a rock. Oof. So um, I, it was, it's actually my first memory. It's my earliest memory. I can remember because there was just, if you have a head injury as a t- child, it's just blood like crazy. Oh my God. So um, I remember throwing up blood and my parents taking me to the hospital. I ended up getting um, 48 stitches in my head. It went straight through my eyebrow all the way up to you know my hairline. And it's healed quite well. But um, that was my, my first, <laughs> that's my earliest memory. Sometimes it can be helpful to go back to your earliest memory to see what um, kind of beliefs you formed back then. Um, and so sometimes I wonder what impact that that has had on me in my life. Um, if that's also been a big catalyst for my curiosity about, um, you know, wanting to, to really live a great life, so to speak. Wow. Four years old. Now I know, um, we each have a four-year-old right now. You have a four-year-old son. I have a four-year-old son. Um, so wow. We know literally that, what age that's happening. Oh my goodness. So, um, uh, obviously, um, you can't remember all of the details of that, but have you had conversations with your father or your parents, you know, in, in, uh, younger years about that to get their perspective on things? I mean, that's talk about scary. I'm scared. You know, I'm scared when my kids like <laughs> scratch themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really like to talk about it because I think it was pretty traumatizing for them. Literally, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they don't really go there. They they tend to get a little bit, you know, off balance when I, when I bring it up. <laughs> um, but I, 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 have, I have some vague memories, like, you know, the, the, the color of my dad's jacket and being in the car, getting to the hospital and things like that. Um, mm. So now you're very fortunate overall. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, yeah. you you certainly at, at any age of your life had to have looked back on that incident and um, just said, thank you. I'm still here. Right. Oh, yeah. What about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think not only that, but, you know, I, you know, I think most of the time you don't want an injury to occur on your face. Um, so I'm very grateful. We had a plastic surgeon um, that stitched me up did a great job. I've done some acupuncture in the actual scar, which has helped a lot because it brings fresh blood to the area and helps it heal even more. Um, so now you can barely see it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it's still, it's still inside. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you carry those things forever. Wow. Yeah. So now you're on your way, um, I guess, in your teens, um, maybe you and those um, coaching you, do they sort of see that, okay, you're going to be the professional star and this is how you're going to make your living and you're going to win all the awards and play uh, Wimbledon and that sort of a thing? I don't know if I ever was going to be that good because tennis, the thing about tennis is that's incredible is it's, it's a world sport right? I mean, you know, obviously they have, you know, states and then they have regions and then they have nations. But, you know, like, you know, when somebody's number one at tennis, they're number one in the world, you know? So it's, it's a highly competitive sport at a very young age. Um, So I don't know if I necessarily thought I would be professional, Mm. but there was a lot of, there was definitely a lot of potential. I mean, my first job, was teaching tennis. Um, you know, I don't know if I thought so much about the future as much as I thought about just improving my game um, and and getting to the next level and just always having the next level there because it's such an independent sport. So the rankings are very clear. It's like, you know, you're number one, you're number two, you know, so it's pretty, um, you just want to get to the next level essentially. So when you were, when you hung up the racket, so to speak, what age were you where it was clear? Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm really finished. Yeah. You know, I haven't actually told the story, Josh, but in college I decided I didn't want to continue. Um, 
because I, at that point I really knew that I wasn't going to become professional. And, um, I had, I did have a, a lower back injury, a, a herniated disc in my L4 and L5, which is also healed almost completely. Um, but I, I just, my heart, my, I knew in my heart that that wasn't really what I wanted. So when I was in college, I had that realization. I did go on after college to teach tennis because that was all I knew. We can get into that in, in a moment. Um, but I think I knew that, you know, it was time to move on because my, I just didn't have that, that heart. And your, your, um, coaching team and family was okay with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, people still around, like I, I'm back in the area where I grew up in. And, you know, when people see me, they'll ask me, like, do you still play tennis? People ask me that all the time. Do you still play tennis? And right now I don't. Um, I don't, I don't play for fun really anymore. Um, I think just because I'm not, <laughs> not as good as I used to be, it's not as fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it goes back to just um, not so much having, like I was saying before, is that you can have a lot of talent and it might not be where your heart really wants to go. And I think sometimes mm. that can be a little bit of a struggle, you know, because you feel like I should, but yeah. Oh yeah, that whole struggle. I should. Well, let's <laughs> no, that talk, struggle. Yeah, of course. Let's talk about your struggle because I know that in your in your twenties, you were really conflicted with finding yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I had this path, this tennis path that really supported me so much in so many ways, and then it was kind of like, well, well what do I do with my life? I don't really know, and I don't have any experience other than tennis, playing tennis. I got my undergrad degree in psychology, which is like, you know, you can't really do that much with it <laughs> after you graduate. Um, so I just did what I know, which was teach tennis, and that was really my ticket to New York City, um, which it was great in a lot of ways, um, but I did burn myself out. I worked seven days a week. Uh, the club opened at 7 a.m., and it closed at 11 p.m., and I was there a lot of times at 7 a.m. and closing at 11 p.m. because I just wanted to hustle and build my business. Um, so I, I did that. And then I thought to myself, well, I don't want to teach tennis forever. So what do I do? And I thought, well, I have to build my resume. So um, I was like, I'm, I'm going to reach out to the couple contacts that I have and I'm going to interview for some jobs. It was really my first time interviewing for a, a, a quote unquote real job other than tennis when I yeah. was, let's see, I was probably 24, 25 years old. Um, and it was, it was not easy for me because I, I'd never had like a desk job before because <laughs> I taught tennis. Um, but I had, I had like little odds and ends jobs at college. I worked at, um, Jimmy John's, which is like making subs. <laughs> I did some restaurant, I had some restaurant experience. We've all been um, there. <laughs> but, um, you know, so then I, I asked a friend who was working at an entertainment company, Hey, can, you know, can you help me out? She said, oh, yeah. So I interviewed for this job. It was a receptionist job. I said, can I move up? They were like, yeah. So I got this job as a receptionist. And then I was constantly hounding people to try to give me their work so that I could learn. Very avid, hungry learner. Um, and so I was trying to do you know, any work that I can, could so that I could quickly move up. Well, they didn't want me to to move up they <laughs> so they ended up firing me um which was quite a blow to my ego because here i was in new york like teaching tennis to to celebrities and then i got a a, a receptionist job and they fired me and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> so i was trying to put the pieces together of just like trying to build my resume and i really didn't have a you know a lot of understanding of how to do that so um i stumbled a lot and just you know, kept going and I would get this nine to five job, um, you know, and just realize that it wasn't for me. And then, so then I would quit and get another job and, and then, you know, you know, that wasn't working out. And it, it just like for a couple of years there, I was just, things weren't, were not working out for me on all fronts. Like, you couldn't find yourself, right? Yeah. And I felt like I didn't, I, there wasn't like a place that I felt like I belonged, but you know, intuitively, and you can probably relate to this, Josh, like, I think at one point, like, I did know deep down inside that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
way deep down inside, Mm. you know, but there was all these things that I felt like I had to do like, and I had never done it before. So I didn't think that I knew how. You mean in order to become a, an, an entrepreneur that you instinctively felt, you said, okay, well, instead of just doing what should be done down that path, you gave yourself check marks and boxes to arbitrarily check off that you believed was the path? I mean, I thought that I had to build my resume. Isn't that what people say? Build yeah. your resume. Yeah. You, know, you mean so like, you can feel justified and qualified? Is that yeah, what? or like, or just like, like that I have work experience, right? You know, like a, a lot of people, like they, they, you know, I know in this now, right? Like you feel like you need more experience to do the thing that you want. Well, how do you, how do you get more experience to do the thing that you want? You do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, experiential learning is the fastest way to learn anything. Um, exactly. But but we're taught that you have to read this book and take this test and get this grade and somebody else needs to approve it. And then you get a certificate that you did it and you read all this material. So now you think you know it, which you don't. Because you <laughs> don't have the applied application and knowledge. Correct. Right. I mean, thinking, you know, Eckhart Tolle is a big inspiration of mine. He wrote a couple of books. One of my favorites is um, A New Earth. Yes. Um, That was the first one of his that I read. Okay. Great book. Oh, yeah. Um, And he he uses this line. He says, you can think, you know, honey, but until you actually taste it, do you know, honey? You know, you can think, you know how to coach, but until you actually coach, do you know how to coach? Right. I mean, it's not until you actually do the thing, do you know it? Do you have real live experience, right? You know, you can learn all about online marketing or whatever, but until you actually do it, do you know how to do it? So there is a slight catch-22 here that we trap ourselves in, right? Because we'll say, oh, well, I can't do it until I learn how to do it. How am I supposed to, right? But what you're saying here is, no, you have to dive right in, get messy, get dirty, flub up, and carry on and learn. That's and how you correct. learn. Correct. Wow. Yeah, look at, look at a child walk. <laughs> they don't read a book on how to walk. They fall down a bunch of times, and then they learn, oh, this is how you balance. Right. But, you know, we have this unrealistic expectation that when we're going to do something, it's just going to work. Oh, yeah. And we're going to take six months to read a book, uh, work with that person, take that course, read that other book, watch these videos, do the worksheet and help still doing all this stuff while all this time is passing by because we should simultaneously get some information, implement, right? Figure out what we need to know, implement. (laughs) Yeah? That's right. That's right. I mean, even like, you know, like I I took my son, who who we mentioned before is four, right? To, To learn to swim, right? And it was interesting from my adult perspective, it was like, oh, like, you know, you put him in the water and a couple times he learns how to swim. But I realized that there was a lot of other steps in between. (laughs) (laughs) And it was going to take a lot longer than, you know, because I already know how to swim, that then it's going to take him. I think we have these really unrealistic expectations that, um, you know, it's going to be peachy and rosy to do things that we haven't done before. And so we have to learn actually how to not be so hard on ourselves so that we actually keep going so that we can keep carving our own path. Mm. And I think that the reason, uh, this was my journey, uh, the reason we don't um, jump into it while we're learning the steps we need to is because we're afraid how we are going to look while we're doing it and what others may say and what others will think and how they're going to judge us. So I'm going to stay safely over here, learning, reading, watching, reviewing, uh, training, which are important naturally, but irrelevant unless this is simultaneously going on. Um, 
you know, perhaps even at double speed, do this two times the speed and then figure out what you need to learn to get better at what you just did. Go back, watch it, learn it, read it, talk to somebody, train with somebody, and then go forward again. That's, That's the right. way to do it. Yeah. That's right. I mean, for me, what happened was, you know, I had this, this deep down knowing that I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? But I had all these thoughts about how, why I couldn't, right? But then eventually, and, and this, is, this happens to people too, it wouldn't happen to me, I'll speak from my own experience, speaking of experiential learning, um, where I hit a point where I was so unhappy and things already were not working because I, I was not listening to myself. And, and really the, the point happened was when I was in this job, well, I launched a website. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to offer tips on life because I'm struggling with life and I'm going to ask other experts to contribute newsletter based once a week. I would send out a newsletter. I would have other people contribute um, because one day in the future, I want to have my own business, right? A lot of people put their visions way out into the future when it can be way more up close. We can, we can talk about that later if you want. Um, so I had this like way long, like one day when I'm 40 and I'm married, my husband secretly supports me. This was my idea in my head back then when I'm in my 20s. And I have kids. Then, <laughs> meanwhile, I was like 25. Um, then I'll become an entrepreneur. So I put it out 15 years in my head, right? But then I was sitting in a meeting with, um, with you know, at this company and, and we we're in a conference room and I had this Italian boss and she was like, and I was kind of zoned out often, you know, not paying attention. And she was like, Anna, you did the reports wrong in front of everyone. Right. And I, it kind of woke me up literally. Like I felt this jolt in my stomach and I was like, you're in the wrong place. Like it was mm. like, I no longer could pretend that I just had to go along and do what everybody else was doing. Um, and that was a big defining moment for me. Like it was, it was so loud and so clear within my gut that was like, you're in the wrong place. And I knew what I actually wanted to do that now I was willing because I was also in so much pain from things not working out um, that I was willing to make a change. And that's when I signed up for a coaching school and I started integrating that into the website. And that's where things really started to, to change for me. You had, you had connected the dots for me with the brand, the hidden entrepreneur. Uh, and it sounds like you, you get it, you relate to it. Um, share with us a time that you were hiding behind fear and that, you know, my whole brand fits perfectly with a uh, part of your story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are so many times I've hit, hit hidden behind fear. Let me think of one um, specific time. Hmm. Let's think. Okay. Well, all right. I'll share, I'll share my story. So um, yeah. So I think for a while I actually hid behind my brand of um, I originally started as self in the city and I hid behind this brand. I had a logo. You couldn't find my face anywhere. <laughs> it was like, you know, because I was too afraid mm. to, to put myself out there as a coach when I was 27 years old, still figuring things out, right? Once I actually started offering services. So I definitely was afraid to, to feel like, you know, I could be in that position at that age, at that time in my life. Although being a coach doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the answers. That's not, and that's not how I coach. The, the way that the, my philosophy is, as you mentioned in, in the intro, Josh, is that I believe you have the answers within you. My job is to help you see them through asking you questions that it becomes clear. Um, so yeah, I think that putting ourselves out there, you know, and I hear this from from people a lot of the time too, even just like posting something that's really true for them on Instagram, you know, or you know, like I like being like a spiritual person, like that was like scary for me to like come out as like I'm spiritual, like to my friends and stuff, like <laughs> you know, like a lot of my friends aren't spiritual. So to like 
come out and be like, you know, you know, like I'm a spiritual person and I like inspirational quotes. It felt like kind of nerdy to me. Like I was like, you know, wanted to be like, you know, that old self that I was hiding behind. So I think, I think we do that a lot. We, you know, um, we kind of wear these spacesuits around like how we should be rather than being ourselves and of who we are. And I think that's a never ending evolving process. I read that you, you talk about how you were borderline alcoholic and I guess this was in your twenties and you had um, an eating disorder. Was that just a way to numb and comfort everything you're talking about? Yeah, I think that I didn't have, um, you know, kind of the skills. And I think that this is probably true for a lot of people as well to navigate who we really are in a world that tells us how we should be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was, you know, it wasn't like I, I set out to, to cure those. Um, how do I say like, uh, uh, like uh, things about myself that I didn't like. It was more that I had to learn how to be comfortable being who I am. And that dissolved a lot of those things that I was trying to cover up. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, that's, I, I mean, you know, we all have our version of that. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're doing. I love that. We're not, um, oh, we, we just can't, um, we can't, we can't come to terms with how to express ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not, we're, we're taught, we're, we're not taught how to think we're taught what to think. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's that, you know, these, these negative thought patterns were, were big for me. Right. Like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of self blame, a lot of beating myself up, a lot of, um, you know, thinking that there's something wrong with me, you know, when things aren't like working out for you, you start having this inner dialogue that can be like, you know, what's wrong with me, you know? And it's like, you know, there was a part of me that was like, Hmm, like I, 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 I think we all have this sense of there's something more for me. Like, I know I'm capable of more, but not really sure how to tap into that. Um, and I think it also helps to have support around you, right? I went, I, I hired a coach. I had a lot of support around me that helped me um, explore, you know, what is it that I really want? And that, that was also another big turning point for me. At one point, I said to myself, what, what do you want? And I answered it. It was like, I want to have my own business. And then I, it was the first time I gave myself permission. I told myself, I can create it, you know? Most of the time, we're waiting for some outside force to give us permission. Like, yeah, that doesn't come. That doesn't come. I, I know. I, I'm the, I was the exact same way. I was like desperately, in so many words, trying to find somebody to just, you know, uh, you know, uh, deem me capable and just give me the permit. It does not come. No yeah. way. Yeah. No. no. Grant yourself. Just tell yourself, I can create it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for me, it was, um, I always knew I was capable, like uh, what's wrong with me uh, would always lead, lead me down the incorrect path because I always knew it was just about, well, you're not really doing what you want to be doing. So then ask yourself, okay, what do I want? Like you did figure it out and then um, take the action to make it so instead of finding all the reasons, the fear, the excuses not to which was my whole story. But until I said, okay, forget all this stuff that's been happening. I get it. Enough's enough. No more. I can't live like this anymore. And I'm ready. Uh, what do I want? And I sat quietly for you know a little while, a few weeks, a few months. And that was the transition into my podcast almost two years ago, which became the, the turning point for everything in my life. And like you said, um, I had no, I, I've never formally have done a podcast before. So I didn't have all the answers, but I'm like, I'm going to take the steps and figure it out as I go along because I know that I'm capable of doing that. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you say you have to start before you're ready, which I adore. Yeah. Yeah. A mentor early on told me, you know, you don't have to get it right. You just have to go get it going. And I think so often we think that we have to get it right before we get it going, but it's, you have to get it going. Um, 
and you don't have to get it right. You don't have to get it right. And you probably aren't. And if and you by do, whose awesome. standards, right. And yeah. by whose standards are you getting it right? Yeah. And you know, sometimes you, you, you might be totally prepared to get it right. And you know, <laughs> what is right as you're mentioning. So it's like, it's totally relative, but the, I think the real key is that just do it, you know, whatever it is. And if you don't know what it is, stop telling yourself you don't know and start to tell yourself you're going to figure it out. As you mentioned, like, you know, I might not know, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. Cause I think some people stop at, I don't know. I don't know how. And the next step is to say, I'm going to figure it out. I have the answer within me. The answer is already there. Now you just need to listen for it. As we are wrapping up this conversation, what have we been talking about? Putting it all into a nice wrapped up bow for the listener. What's the message here? I think the real message here is, is to, to do. You know, you got to get more into the doing and um, not being, you know, the fear might be there, not waiting for it. You know, stop waiting and start doing, um, you know, because through that is how you gain clarity. It's through action. You gain clarity through action. You gain confidence through action. You gain knowledge through action. You gain experience. So um, I think the real thing is whatever, you know, maybe it's making an email, creating an email, you know, doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable, taking that uncomfortable action. It's a little bit scary. You got to just do it. Yeah. And, and like I tied together, um, if you're not like I wasn't, you're really scared of what people are going to say or what they're going to think or how you think you're going to look. I would also investigate that and really, really get to the root of that. Okay. What is that really about? Who, who are you, who do you really think is going to judge? And then, you know, that's, it's a big part of the process for me is really uncovering who was that villain? Who's that enemy perceived, of course? And then once you do, you then, as scary as it may be, you have to ground yourself, take the breath, and still go through it. And you know fear. It's like my six-year-old daughter, uh, on the rare occasion, she has to get a shot. Shots don't hurt, right? But she's sitting there, no, 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 all before it happens. And then, Danica, did that hurt? No, of course it didn't. Because it doesn't, right? But all the fear, yeah. the anticipation of what it's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, I, and you know, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have, like the things that you were afraid of didn't actually happen. Right. But other things like kind of fell apart that you weren't expecting. <laughs> um, so just be, you know, it's a journey, you know, just be open to it and enjoy the ride. Yes, that's li- yeah, yeah. Listen to the whisper. Tell me more. What is that? The, the the little whisper that you know, the whisper that was in me that said, you know, what I really want is to have my own business. You know, you know, they all the greats say it, right? Um, it's uh, Spielberg, maybe. Um, he says, "Listen to the whisper." Um, yeah, I mean, mm. it's that little voice that's within you that doesn't come from your head somewhere else that's very quiet it's very clear it's very gentle and it's just very simple like do this that's what you want there were so many so many nuggets here that we've uh, touched upon but if i were to ask one one thing further in this conversation for the listener what hasn't yet been said that they need to hear um, what hasn't been said that they need to hear? Um, I think that we have a tendency to think that I'm going to go, go along with what you were saying, Josh, is to think that other people think a lot about us and they care so much about what we're doing. Like there's almost like this big, like spotlight on us. Everybody's thinking about themselves anyways. And, you know, if they do think about you, it's for like one millisecond. And then they're just right back to themselves. And if people, you know, are going to think badly about you, that's on them and not on you. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, thinking about our, ourselves too much is, you know, versus, you know, what can you give? You know, if I were to sit here and on this podcast and think about like 
oh, what is he going to think about me? And what does everybody else think about me? Like that doesn't help anyone. You know, if I, if I come, like I said, a lot of, I, I do a lot of intention settings, right? So whenever I set my intention, it's about other people. It's not about myself. I take myself out of the equation. How can I help? My favorite quote that I've heard on that very topic is, you know who remembers what you said yesterday? You. <laughs> Period. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if, if we end this and you, let's say you start beating yourself up and, oh my God, should I have said that? How does it look? I've moved on, right? In the best possible way. Like I'm not then giving this thought, right? No, you're probably giving yourself thought. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm thinking, oh, wait, did I, did I do well? How does she view me? That's the irony in all this. So I'm not going to be thinking tomorrow. Oh, Anna said this, Anna said that. She didn't do this. She didn't do that. We're all, we're all in that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So, So yeah. Stop thinking about yourself. (laughs) Wow. Easier said than done. Yes. I will leave you with this final question. Anna Goldstein, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered would be as somebody who, um, who, who helped blossom um, people with who they really are and, um, yeah, just making making the world a little bit better, kinder. The kindness is a big thing for me. Absolutely beautiful. As you are, Anna, thank you so much. How can people follow up with you and continue this dialogue? Yeah, so I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can visit my website. It's annagoldstein.com. And you can find everything on there. And I also have a, a podcast called Profit with Purpose. You can you know, lots of free content on there as well. Good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us and opening up in the way you did. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Josh. Great interview. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody joining us, whether it's right here on the live broadcast or you're listening to the podcast in its native form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows from. I thank you for tuning in. I ask you, if you liked it, rate and review. I love reading your comments on those platforms. We're going to do this again before too long. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.